We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury, inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790, The Ticket. And a good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on into Fighter's Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you as for the next hour, we will dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing and we will start off today with the sweet science as yesterday in belfast they had themselves a showdown the gypsy king making his second fight return against francisco pianetta and looking better in shape i think that's the best thing you can come out of this fight with with tyson fury um you know all the rumors were starting to leak out all of the reports were starting to come out in the in the lead up to this fight he and deontay wilder are in a crash course set for what seems like Las Vegas later on this year for the WBC Championship of the World. It was a big, big deal for both of them because it seems like Anthony Joshua has put a bit of uh, put up a bit of a blockade right now and is just mandatory hunting as far as his belts are concerned. And with that being the case, the heavyweight division needed something that was going to spark interest. Like all respect to the fight that's coming up in October between Anthony Joshua and Alexander Povetkin. It's just not what people want to see right now. But Tyson Fury's return has been exciting for the heavyweight division. It's been great seeing the former lineal champion back in the ring, back in shape, having his life together. You know, his ending was very sad. Like, getting getting to see him dethrone Vladimir Klitschko, something that I really thought bogged down the heavyweight division for a long time. And... Klitschko, I think his reign will be more respected as time goes on. But for the most part, it, it, it almost felt like the belt was held hostage for the longest time. They were doing fights at four in the afternoon. But they're doing four, fights at four in the afternoon. It didn't have the same passion. Uh, obviously, you know, we as fight fans in America, Klitschko, he's not exactly, you know, sparking up the microphone. Didn't have that charisma that I think of all, a lot of us were looking for from our heavyweight champions. And... At least with the belt shifting hands over to Tyson Fury, you knew that you had a charismatic champion, you had a guy who could sell fights, a guy that was going to make whoever he fought, um, for the most part, interesting, and we were interested in watching him fight. I just think with Klitschko, it got to a point where we weren't interested in watching him fight, and he didn't exactly have the personality to back that up either. You know, a lot of it was jab, grab, hold, and you know, just didn't captivate the imagination. And Tyson Fury... While he doesn't exactly have the most exciting fight style in regards to a knockout artist or what you'd probably look for from a giant 6'9 heavyweight, you know, the thing is his unorthodox ways of dancing and sticking and moving for that size and the way he looks also is interesting in itself. You know, yesterday trying to uh, recreate the old famous Ali rope, uh, rope duck and dive missing, uh, didn't do the shimmy like Ali did. 
afterwards, but it was still it was still fun, a fun moment and an otherwise pretty uneventful fight. You know, he got his rounds in, got 10 rounds in, and we're starting to see that, okay, he looks like he is in boxing shape. He's probably not quite where he was before Klitschko, but he's getting there. And so this fight with Deontay Wilder, I think, does get to shift a little bit from everybody clamoring for Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder, that that being the only heavyweight fight. This is a good fight. This is a fight that's going to have a hell of a lead up. These guys both despise Anthony Joshua and so can urinate on him a little bit in the lead up to both of this and whoever comes out on top. I think it would be undeniable at that point that they are deserving of the Anthony Joshua fight. And if Anthony Joshua doesn't answer the bell whenever the the, the smoke clears from their next two matchups, I think I think the the, the, the turning point for Joshua is going to be really, really bad. Um, it, it's a really good move by Deontay Wilder, too, because, look, if you want to talk about what are the prime moments to go get Tyson Fury, I would say now is the time. You know, and I think people would look at this matchup probably two years ago and think that Tyson Fury was going to box Deontay Wilder's face off, that Wilder hasn't been in there with the caliber of opponent, hasn't been in there with a guy who can really school him in the ring, and hasn't really been through those trials and tribulations of the heavyweight champion yet. And he's gotten a lot of that in the time that Tyson Fury has been trying to get himself back in shape. So this fight has not only become more captivating in Tyson Fury's absence, I think it's also probably swung a lot of people's opinions of where this fight would have gone. I think if you make this fight in 2015, a lot of the pundits are going to look at it and say, this is too much for Deontay Wilder. Remember, these guys uh, had themselves a little in-ring run-in a couple years ago after, I believe Deontay Wilder was fighting Spielka. Terrible fight. Um, and it got people excited for it. This, this this got people really, really inclined to really be excited about this bout and to see that they've kind of rekindled this. Almost what I like about it is this. It doesn't just seem like they're doing it for the fame and glory, though that also comes with it. I like the narrative that they put forth that this is for the honor of boxing. Like, this is to have two guys who people want to see. They're looking for the biggest challenge. Certainly for Tyson Fury, you could say this is the biggest challenge out there. I mean, right now, Deontay Wilder is the most dangerous man walking the planet. Even when he loses or is losing, he has a chance to knock your face off and win a fight. Like we just saw with Luis Ortiz. He was losing that fight. He was in danger in that fight, and it didn't matter. Still found a way to win. That's how good his power is. And for Deontay Wilder, you know, he is now becoming, in a, in a way, after what seemed like a very protected career and a guy that maybe almost took too long to get in there with the who's who because of, I don't know if it was the, the PBC blueprint or if it was just a, a, a lack of belief from his people that he wasn't ready. But instead of fighting all these anonymous guys like Dehupois and, and Spielka and all that, he's now gone in there with guys who feel like they can give him a very, very tough fight. And so this fight against Tyson Fury is a tremendous matchup. It is a styles clash. It has two very charismatic individuals who I think could sell the hell out of a fight. And so that's why Showtime wants to put it on pay-per-view.
can honestly say, for a while, we are we are excited for a pay-per-view bout that's coming that doesn't involve Canelo Alvarez, that doesn't involve Floyd Mayweather, that in, involves the heavyweight championship of the world. I don't know the last time you could say that that, that, that there was a pay-per-view-worthy heavyweight championship. This certainly is that. This is definitely going to be your money's worth for the lead-up, for the the styles clash, for the guys involved, and for what's on the line. You know, if Deontay Wilder loses this fight, it's hard to imagine him getting back into the Anthony Joshua discussions without a huge, huge career rally. He's older. He's had a lot of fights. He's talked a lot of bleep, and he's rolling the dice here. But if he's able to beat Tyson Fury, especially if it's in spectacular fashion, hell, any fashion, it's going to be pretty undeniable for a lot of people that he's got the more legitimate claim to the heavyweight throne. I don't care how much jewelry Anthony Joshua is walking around with, how many belts that he has, or how many sanctioned bodies he has to please. If you're telling me that Deontay Wilder was able to beat Tyson Fury, the last guy to be the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. How you can't say that he's got the big claim to being the man than Joshua does is a pretty hard argument for me. Look, I'm not denying that Anthony Joshua is fantastic. He's awesome. But he got to beat tenderized meat when he beat Vladimir Klitschko. Did he beat a more motivated Klitschko? Did he beat a more aggressive Vladimir Klitschko? Yes. Was it a way better fight than when Tyson Fury beat Vladimir Klitschko? Absolutely. But even still, he beat a Klitschko who was coming off a loss to Tyson Fury. Whatever the reasons were that the rematch didn't happen. When you're looking at lineage of belts, that can't be forgotten. And so Tyson Fury getting into his first real clash since this hiatus is going to be against Deontay Wilder. If Deontay Wilder beats him, the last man to beat the man, it's hard to deny where he's at. It'd be really hard if you were going to make an argument, Joshua versus Wilder. If we're going to just do it on paper, and if we're just sitting around the bar arguing who is the man, I don't care how many belts that Anthony Joshua has. I don't care that he beat Joe Parker. I don't care what he collected from Charles Martin. I don't care. When it comes down, who beat the guy? Deontay Wilder gets his win against Tyson Fury. He beat the guy. And if Tyson Fury wins this fight, you're talking about one of the best British clashes that we're going to see in a long, long time should he get that showdown with Anthony Joshua. The golden boy against the Gypsy King, the guy who is outcast by everybody, doesn't look like a heavyweight champion, a guy who is outcast in his own society versus Anthony Joshua, Olympic champion, gold medalist, world champion. This this clash is a lot on the line, and I'm very, very excited about it. I think as fight fans, we have to be very, very excited about this. Anthony Joshua can sit on the sidelines right now, and he can take that Povetkin fight. And I'm not saying that's a walkover, but as far as juice is concerned, I mean, just Joshua versus Povetkin just doesn't have it. And, and, and it can't be thought of as anything else of, all right, we're going to get to see Anthony Joshua in the ring by himself doing his thing. But look, the last time he's been out in that ring hasn't been the most thrilling fight in the world. He had an all-timer against Vladimir Klitschko. There's no denying that. It'll never be taken away from Anthony Joshua. That was an all-time clash.
But when we're in the arms race of keeping people interested from 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 every boxing fan, it becomes very fleeting when you're fighting Carlos Takam. And it seems like you got the ref wave off to even have that end inside the distance. The Joe Parker fight, good fight on paper. Snoozer in the ring. And I'm not saying that's Anthony Joshua's fault, but it is what it is. It just wasn't as thrilling. So as the as the months go by, as the fights go by, it's easy to have that argument on your side when Deontay Wilder, if he would have gone and fought Dominic Brazil or somebody like that, where you're just like, all right, well, he's got to do what he's got to do. He's got to go face his mandatory. No. If he is fighting Tyson Fury, a fight that everybody in your country wants to see you fight, a fight that has a lot of meaning over in England, if Deontay Wilder is the guy who takes away that O, he's not only winning the more important fight, he's taking away one of your big meal tickets over there. And I'm sure Anthony Joshua is going to make a good living for a long time because he is very, very popular across the pond. But even still, taking this fight away from Anthony Joshua is a win in itself for Deontay Wilder because it really, really feels like he was played, that this was something that was meant to keep Anthony Joshua in the headlines because what he has been doing in the ring has not been sufficient as far as keeping people excited about seeing him. So right now, all we're tuning into in October when he fights Povetkin is to see Anthony Joshua not lose or to see him make a big statement that he is the man. But as far as the matchup, him fighting Povetkin, no, no. That loses buzz. That loses buzz. And let's not forget, the thing that that does suck about this, you know, Deontay Wilder was going to go fight Povetkin in Russia. He was going to go over to Moscow to fight this man, that Anthony Joshua. Joshua Joshua gets a hometown matchup against this guy. And the reason that fight didn't happen is because Povetkin peed hot. And so somebody tried to cheat to fight Deontay Wilder. And this isn't, look, for those of you who listen to this show, you know I'm not the biggest opponent of performance-enhancing drugs. But the frustration that Anthony, that that Deontay Wilder must have felt to know that fights keep falling by the wayside because guys can't stop getting popped for tests had to be enormously frustrating. And to see that guy get the reward of fighting for the heavyweight championship of the world, the unified heavyweight championship of the world. And Deontay Wilder had to scrap claw and come up with this kind of solution. That sucks, man. That in itself is showing you what people all along have had the problem with in boxing. That a guy like Alexander Povetkin, after what he did, gets this kind of reward. And Deontay Wilder doing what he's been doing. Fighting Luis Ortiz after he pops for tests. Coming out of a fight that he was losing and knocking him down. He can't get the Joshua fight. It just shows you in a nutshell what has been hurting the sport for a while. It's great that these fights are happening. I'm very, very excited to see both matchups go down. But if you want to talk about which one you're anticipating more, it's not even close. Wilder Fury is way more exciting than anything Anthony Joshua can throw on the table for the near future. We're back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. We are two men who will fight anybody. 
This man has been trying to make a big fight with the other chump. I think we all know who we're talking about. The biggest house inside box. Tyson, we're live on BT Sport. We're live on Showtime. If we could keep the language clean, it would be most appreciated. Bring it back here, man. Listen, they called. I answered. I said, send me the contract. They sent the contract. I said yes. And now he gets his chance to fight the lineal heavyweight champion of the world. My promise is... I got me rounds here tonight, 10 rounds. But one thing I promise when I go to Las Vegas is I'm knocking you the f out, boy. There you have it yesterday in the ring, courtesy of BT Sports, which apparently you can't curse on there. It's not like Showtime, man. You got to keep it clean. I thought they got loose. Me and Steve were talking before the show. We thought we got loose in London. Apparently that's not the case. You got to have yourself nice and clean. Keep it clean. Tyson Fury don't care, man. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta keep it. You gotta keep it loose if it's that. Um, it's gonna be an interesting fight. It's gonna be an interesting fight, though. I will say, if you were to watch these last two comeback fights against Tyson Fury, um, Sefer Sefri, that fight was a joke. It's terrible. Picked him up like a baby at the weigh-ins. They literally stopped the fight in the middle of the fight to watch a fight in the crowd. You know, this last fight against Francisco Pianetta. I mean, you got to see some elusiveness from Tyson Fury. And that's that's great to see. It looks like he's definitely looks like he's in way better shape than when he was out of the ring. I mean, we were talking about like a guy who was pushing 400 pounds. Now he's down to like 250. Um, so let's say this fight happens in December in Las Vegas. You're giving him another. She'd have given him another four months to get ready for this thing. I I, I don't know. I, I he'll definitely be in better cardio shape. You would say. Um, and Deontay Wilder. He is shorter than Tyson Fury, which is going to be odd for him. He came in last time at a very, very light. I think he was 216 for the Luis Ortiz fight. So he came in very, very small. It'll be interesting to see what kind of Deontay Wilder body we get for this one. But no matter what size he is, we know that he could put you to sleep. Um, this was interesting. There were a couple of things uh, as far as guys having their opinions on it. Uh, Tony Bellew the star of Creed. He came out, and he's had a beef with Tyson Fury for a while. They even talked about possibly having a fight at heavyweight, and he thought that Deontay Wilder was going to end him within three rounds. Shannon the Cannon Briggs, who has also been chirping back and forth with Tyson Fury, and he's also been kind of cut off by this agreement because it looked like, uh, it looked like Shannon was going to be the next one to fight Fury in the comeback. And he also thinks that this is going to end in end in three. He says uh, those are baby pillow punches that Tyson Fury is hitting with, and Deontay Wilder can crack. I believe I believe it was uh, Shannon Briggs who has has coined the phrase that he has hit you with your clothes on and leave you butt naked power, which is a tremendous saying. And Shannon should make that a T-shirt. Um, he did come with this offer to Tyson Fury. Shannon Briggs says, "I'll spar you on live television or internet for free." We could do it in New York or your home gym in Manchester. I'll come alone. No trainer. Nobody. I ain't scared of none of you. Can't say that word. It's the champ, Shannon the Cannon, a.k.a. Lord Chisington of Champchester. Hashtag let's go champ, because of course. Um, I would like to see that just for the spectacle of it. I think it'd be awesome also for Shannon to get some buzz on this as well. Um, anytime you have him around a fight, it'll definitely draw some promotion. I, and I think... The one thing you would say, if you were Tyson Fury with this matchup of, of how you were going to take on a guy like Shannon, you know Shannon has really, really devastating mess-you-up power. I mean, the guy has more first-round knockouts in the heavyweight division than anybody. Um, 
the only thing I would say with that, you know, he is more of a he's more of a body snatcher. Like Shannon will take your soul when it comes to hitting to the body. Um, Deontay Walter, he goes for, he goes for the head. I mean, it's headshots down. So I I I don't know matchup wise if it's you're definitely dealing with a strong individual, a powerful individual. Um, you know, six four as opposed to six six. Um, but I just think in quality of opponent, you're, you're getting a guy who was the last lineal champion from America. Um, very, very quality. I don't know if it will happen, but I think it'd be definitely cool to see it in the lead up. I mean, that'd be, uh, it'd be pretty awesome either way. Um, Texas right in six, seven, nine, seven, four. Uh, I want to see Canelo without tainted me versus triple G as well. That's a fight. I want to see. It does feel like that's sneaking up on us. I mean, we are three weeks away from that and it felt like that fight was hotter than ever when it got remade and all around the stuff that was happening with it. And it's it it's really I believe twenty four seven premieres this week. What is it? It's the nineteen no, I think it's I think it's in ten days, I think it premieres. I think that'll help, but it does feel like the Canelo Triple G buzz has died down a little bit. And I gotta be honest with you, after all the lead up that happened with the pre with all the, the drug testing and the tainted meat and Everything around that, it felt like that fight, it had the extra kick that it didn't have for the first matchup. So I really, really am excited to see what they can do to turn up the juice. But I'm, I'm kind of with that texter as far as I, I want to see that matchup and see what Canelo is going to be like. But I also want to see how Triple G is going to use that in the fight promotion because it's been very, very hostile with how these guys have spoken to each other and. That was definitely lacking the last time they fought. The last time they fought, it was more of a, let's just see who the best is. And that's awesome. I'm all for it. Not everything needs trash talk. Not everything needs bitterness. But when you're going to do it again, the fact that it ended in controversy, the fact that there's been a uh, a, a dirty PED test, all that stuff on, on Triple G's side, a lot of ammo for a guy who's usually just big drama show. It's fantastic. You know, Triple G doesn't have a lot of hostility naturally built up in him, but now feels like he does. He has something to actually go at Canelo Alvarez with. So very, very much looking forward to that fight when it can happen. Um, and one guy also says that I have a, on a reliable source who tells me Deontay Wilder is bought and paid for. He will take a dive. The Hell Ravens are behind it. And you can never you can never count out the Hell Ravens. Who, for those who don't know, is, is uh, David Beckham's mob group, which... I suspect, burned down those golf carts. I know they gave it to that weirdo who apparently was the arsonist behind the golf carts and apparently a water park, which is just weird as an arsonist. You're going to go burn down a water park? That's just, that's not cool. Like, what kind of message are you saying other than you're a bleep to kids' summers? I want to burn down the water parks. So many things you could burn. Golf carts? That was gangster. Throw a Molotov cocktail into a bunch of golf carts in the midst of a, a, a political debate? While people are trying to get soccer here, that 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 is picking your spots. That is that is bringing some drama as as an arsonist. But taking out a water park—that's just a jerk move. I got to be honest with you. Speaking of jerk moves, so want to switch over to MMA a little bit. Um, this week at Bellator, this was a moment, man. So James Gallagher is a 21-year-old Irishman, uh, submission artist. He trains with Conor McGregor. I don't know how many of you guys saw this and saw Bellator this past week, but he made his return. He had a he had a very, very impressive debut, but it was about, I would say, a year and a half ago. Tore up his knee, had some cuts, had a lot of injuries. Um, but it's it, 
it's a it's a shameless look at what Belichick's trying to do and making Gallagher their Conor McGregor. Talks a lot of bleep, young, brash, undefeated, not a knockout artist. He goes to choke while the bleepers out, but trains with Conor McGregor at SBG. He was fighting uh, Ricky Bende- Bendejas, and the 21-year-old got he, – he comes into the ring, and Ricky, he screams right into his face, right into his face. It was I, – I don't even think I've seen Conor do that. I've seen Conor flip off a guy in the middle of the ring. I've never seen him walk into the cage before intros, scream at a dude's face before going to his corner. But here's the problem when you try and be Conor McGregor. You better come with the wins. And though James Gallagher was packing himself a big-time record and a lot of buzz, you can't get sidekicked to the face. And he did. He took a monster right hand from Ricky, who then decided to Wonderboy Thompson him right in the grill. And he got dropped and ended badly. So he's going to have to go back to the drawing board. But that is it. That is an interesting thing. Like, when you come from Conor McGregor's gym, there's a lot that comes with the weight of trying to be him. You know, Dylan Dennis is doing this as well. He just made his professional debut. But both him and James are both submission artists. They don't come with that thick monster left hand that puts people night-night, sleep-sleep. You know, they go out there, and look, you can see that Galhar is a very aggressive style, and he's trying to impose his will to get his 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 arms around your neck and submit you. It's just, it's hard having that brash-brash style when you have to go have that with somebody who's engaged. Connor, a lot of the times, if he wants to, if he wants to engage you, like he's gonna find his way. There's not, there's not this, there's not this, uh, this extra set that he has to get to to do it. Could do it from a distance. Could do it from places in range. And with James, James has to be on you to do it. Dylan Dennis has to be on you to do it. And both, both of them are, are are really, really great on the microphone. I'm not saying they're bums on the microphone either. I think they are very good, and I do, I do think they bring brashness and charisma. But there is going to be a lot of pressure out of anybody who comes from that gym if they come with that act to back it up. And if they don't, a lot of them are going to get labeled as phonies, that they're that they're Conor wannabes. And look, if you're James Gallagher, you've been watching the Conor McGregor rise. He's 21 years old, so he's been watching this rise since he was about 17 when Conor's been mainstream. And even earlier than that, I imagine they've known each other. So... It's uh, it's understandable why you want to use that path. If you see a guy from your country talk that mess and then get that kind of success, it's understandable why you want to use that blueprint. But it is imperative and always shown why the results of Conor McGregor are not often spoken about enough and not respected enough, but they matter. They matter. You know, you can only have that run for so long. We remember, remember when Chael... Chell Sonnen, all-time trash talker. And we remember when this stuff worked. And it worked for a while, and it worked when he beat the holy hell out of Anderson Silva for four and a half rounds. But eventually, if you don't continue to put up more impressive performances, it can it can wane. It can wane on people buying you as an acceptable opponent who can actually beat people. So 
James has a lot of time to get his career back on track. Look, people lose in mixed martial arts, especially in Bellator. Look, Bellator, they're not necessarily putting their guys up against the best competition, but they are putting them on a big stage. Make no mistake about that. You know, a lot of guys, when they are at that, po at that point of their career, six fights in, couple fights in if you're Aaron Pico, one fight in if you're Aaron Pico, hell. You know, Aaron Pico was making his pro debut in Bellator at Madison Square Garden and lost. And he's had a really nice rally since, but it does come with some some risk that you don't get that you don't get that opportunity to just do this at the local gym or convention center or somewhere where a lot of these guys get their starts. A lot of the great fighters that we watch here locally are getting their starts, but they're also doing a lot of learning. They they're having the experience of fight night for the first time. They're walking to the ring for the first time. They're getting those jitters out. And also, there's not millions of people watching on television. So, there's a lot extra that comes with it. But that was uh, that was rough. Like, when you, when you scream in a dude's face before a fight, and he Mortal Kombat's you with a sidekick to the grill, whew, that was something. Crazy. Crazy. Impressive watch, though. Shout out to Ricky Bendejas, I think is how you say it. Um, that was a very impressive win. Very, very impressive. When we come back, uh, there's an interesting backup plan going for UFC 228 with Tyron Woodley and Darren Till. We'll tell you about that next. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back, guys. Fighters Fury here on 790, The Ticket. It's Tobin with you. I uh, want to give you guys some of the local rundown of what's happening here. Local, if you guys are looking for some fight action, coming up a week from today at the Marriott Coral Springs Hotel Convention Center is XFN 21. Uh, this is going down next Sunday, and they're doing a cool thing here. If you're looking for some local mixed martial arts, they're raising money for the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas wrestling team. Uh, you guys can get your tickets at xfnfights.com if you guys want to check out some action there. If you are a boxing fan, there's a few cards that are coming up. A&T Promotions, uh, they're having Brawl at the Beach at the Palm Beach Convention Center on August 31st. And I'm excited for that one because Tyrone Spong is going to be back in the ring as he looks to extend his heavyweight record to 12-0. and And then, of course, you know, September 1st, that next day, Battle at the Creek is going down. Daya Ali Davis, our boy, he is going to be fighting at the co-main event at the Seminole Casino in Coconut Creek, which is right next to where he also trains some of the best fighters on the planet at American Top Team. So... That is, uh, that's what's coming up pretty soon down the pipe. There's also a lot of buzz on social media that September 28th, there's supposed to be another boxing card at the Hard Rock put on by the Heavyweight Factory. So that's also coming down the pipe. We'll get more into that as that closes in. But again, August 26th, next Sunday, XFN fights at the Marriott Coral Springs Hotel Convention Center. They are raising money for the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas wrestling team. August 31st, you got Brawl at the Beach, Tyrone Spong, is going to be making his ring debut, his boxing, uh, not debut, his boxing return as he looks to go to 12-0 at the Palm Beach County Convention Center. And then Battle of the Creek, Daya Davis is in the co-main event at the Seminole Casino in Coconut Creek. It's been a quiet time for UFC as we haven't had uh, a lot of action. It's been a few weeks off. Next week, they will be back in action. I believe it's in Lincoln, Nebraska with a fight night. Good main event, Justin Gaethje against James Vick. This is going to be interesting for a couple of reasons. Uh, James Vick is on a winning streak. Big, big lightweight, a big 155-er. Uh, he's 6'3". These guys um, got very, very personal at that little uh, dais press conference that went down. And for Justin Gaethje, it comes down to this. Like, 
if he doesn't win this fight, his uh, his crossover into the UFC is is going to be pretty flatlined after this, I would think. And it's not just because he goes in there and he's having trouble coming out with wins. It's just that it feels like the jig is kind of up with him as far as the style to beat him. You know, he has had some success. It's not like he hasn't gotten into these fights and he hasn't been able to put a lot of damage on guys, but it just feels like he's got he's got one card to play while everybody else has three. And so with this fight with James Vick, it was interesting to see James Vick get so emotional in the lead up to this. Um, as And I think that's kind of the worst way to go about this. You want to be calculated. You want to take your time. You want to pick apart Justin Gaethje. So if, if James Vick wants to come forward, even though he's got the size advantage, even though he's got uh, a good win streak going and he's feeling confident with himself, he's got to also realize that the blueprint has been laid out there to beat Justin Gaethje. You know, you avoid him breaking you down with those nasty, nasty leg kicks. Um, and, and you don't go in there desperate trying to get into a firefight with him. And it is tough. Like, look, he's been in there with Dustin Poirier and Eddie Alvarez, and that has happened. But those guys have gotten the better of him. They've come out with it, and they've, they've, they've taken their licks. But it didn't feel like either one of them was really, really close to losing those fights. I mean, maybe you could look and say, like, the, the leg kicks got pretty brutal for Dustin, but put a licking on him. And so this fight with James Vick will be interesting to watch. Also, Michael Johnson's back next week. He's fighting Andre Philly. Good fight there. Jake Ellenberger, Brian Barbarina, uh, John Moraga. That's, uh, it's, it's a really, really nice card for a Saturday night fight night. So it'll be good to have UFC back in our lives uh, starting next week. And then two weeks out, we got ourselves UFC 228. And that's going to be Tyron Woodley against Darren Till, which will be an interesting fight. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy matchup in size as Darren Till has a huge, Huge size advantage to Tyron Woodley, but also this is a bit of a different matchup for Darren Till. He's going in there with a guy who's a tremendous wrestler, who has been in there, who has more championship rounds than a lot of guys on the roster right now. He's been out for a while, so that'll be that'll be interesting to see how Tyron Woodley looks as far as ring rust is concerned. How does he how does he deal with the uh, the size and the reach advantage? But here's the thing: we have seen. Tyron Woodley against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. If you want to do a little MMA math here, doesn't always translate, but it is interesting to look at. We just saw Darren Till in a fight against Stephen Thompson where it's pretty even. It was very calculated. These guys not engaging a lot. He, they both knew what was on the line fighting at that crazy distance that they were fighting at. It took Darren Till until very late in that fight to really put it on Steven Thompson, which probably got him the nod in that fight. But we saw with Tyron, he also fought very calculated against Wonderboy Thompson and eventually got to that point where when he got to him, he put on big damage. So, yes, he's fighting a guy in Darren Till who has a huge, huge size advantage, but there's a couple things that you got to be worried about if you're a Darren Till fan. First and foremost is the weight cut. You, the guy is huge. He is a, he's an absolute monster. And, you know, he's gone out there. He said, uh, you know, it should be illegal for me to fight at welterweight. And I agree. It should be illegal for him to fight at welterweight, especially when he doesn't make welterweight, which is about what happens 50% of the time when he tries to cut to welterweight. The second is what the what what are the effects going to be of that? You know, he's gone in there these, these last couple fights and 
you know, I would say they haven't been the most stress-inducing fights. You know, the 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 Donald Cerrone fight, he was able to beat Donald in a round and didn't really see him dragged into those waters. And with the with the Wonder Boy fight, though it was five rounds, it was not a it was not a stressful five rounds as far as the grind of wrestling, getting put up against the cage, um, getting taken down left and right. It wasn't that. And so if he has a very poor weight cut and it takes a lot out of him, what is going to happen if Tyron Woodley is able to get him down, grind on him a little bit, put a little bit of a beating on him while he has somebody on top of him? It's it, that, that, that piques my interest when it comes to this matchup. Um, the power, I don't know what it will be like when Tyron Woodley hits Darren Till, how he'll take that. We haven't seen Darren Till uh, been tested with that chin in a while. Um, and with Tyron, you know, Tyron's been able to take some some big shots. And a lot of people underestimate him because not the most popular champion in the world. A lot of people uh, don't like the fact that, you know, he seems like he's whining on every interview. And it's like, we get it, Tyron. You're, you're amazing. You, you, are, you are the best. But we have seen Tyron Woodley. Look. Tyron Woodley will always have my respect for the win that he has over Robbie Lawler. It'll, it'll, because Robbie Lawler at my, at that point, I thought was unbreakable as far as fighters were concerned. He was, the, the fights that he was putting forth, he, he was like a piece of iron the way he went in there. Whether it was the Condit fight, whether it was the Hendricks fights, whether it was the Rory McDonald fight, I didn't understand how Robbie Lawler was walking through everybody and Tyron Woodley dispersed of him very, very easily. Was that fallout from the other fights? Maybe, but those other guys are pretty great punchers too. And they weren't able to put the lights out of Robbie Lawler like that. So I know that this is a very, very dangerous man who's going into the ring against Darren Till, no matter how big Darren Till is. Um, the things you do have to worry about with Tyron, coming off of this layoff, having shoulder surgery, doesn't seem that keen on wanting to fight this early. Like if he had his ways about him, probably would be fighting Colby Covington later on in the year. So... He is uh, He's getting a matchup here against a dude who wasn't plan A, wasn't what he was really getting ready for, was kind of coaxed into by the UFC. I'd imagine if he didn't take this fight, they might have stripped him. Like that's the, That, to me, is the only reason why he would have taken this fight. You know, Tyron's been out for a while. He's been out since last July. And if he didn't take this fight against Darren Till, would the next of move been, all right, we're taking your title? I don't know. I don't know what the decision is there. Um... But I do know that if he if he had his choices about him, he's made this clear. He'd rather do the Covington fight later on in the year than Darren Till. Because let's be honest, Darren Till is coming off a fight where he won by a slim margin over Wonderboy Thompson, and he did it off a fight he badly, badly missed weight and said after the fight, I don't deserve to, make, to, to get this title fight. So there's a lot of drama for me in these next couple of weeks of, of the lead up to it, what it'll be like. But also, if Darren Till's going to make the fight night. So, this is an interesting piece of news that came out this week. Kamar Usman, who trains down here, uh, is reportedly training to be the backup plan on this card. Should Darren Till fall out, they're having him ready to go if Darren Till, I assume, I'm assuming Darren Till, because Willie doesn't have trouble making weight. Darren Till doesn't make weight. And then we would get... Darren Till versus, or we would get, excuse me, Usman versus Tyron Woodley. 
which would be a great fight too, um, and would be a good path for Kamara Usman because he is dangerous as hell. He is really, really dangerous. But uh, I guess if we're going to put it in this category, his fights haven't been the most eye-pleasing of late. So I do think out of all the people in welterweight who are the viable title contenders, if we're, we're going to put it in the uh, Covington, Usman, and Darren Till, I would say Usman is probably third out of those three guys as far as what fight would you want to make to draw the most eyes. I would say he's probably third. Covington's won, um, you know, but they didn't want to make that fight with his uh, sinus thing, and uh, I assume he's going to be back later on in the year. We'll see. I don't know. It's been it's been it's been very murky with the Covington situation because all we've really gotten is he had to get a sinus thing, which is understandable to me. Look, the guy just fought in June. I don't understand why he have to has to fight again in September. Um, but even with that being the case, the other thing that I found weird about it is, you know, then afterwards is doing the whole thing with. Donald Trump at the White House with Dana White. It's just strange to me why you make that decision and then still want to put forth the guy having a lot of um, buzz behind him. You know that people get an emotion when they watch Colby Covington fight. I mean, people hate him. They are really, really mad when he gets into that ring. He makes them feel things. And I think that seeing you burn that opportunity to have the champion versus champion fight in in the cause for making just a welterweight title fight is weird to me. I still don't quite get it, but we've beaten that argument into the ground a couple of times, so I don't want to rehash it too much. I guess we'll get there depending on this fight sucking or not. If this fight is terrible, we'll be like, all right, well, was it worth it? But our, our, our thoughts are out there. You guys know that I think that this fight between Till and Woodley is kind of dumb to do right now. I think that, if anything, you should have done Colby versus Woodley, Till versus Usman on the same card. That would have been amazing. That would have been the way to go. And then if something were to fall through, then you naturally have somebody to just fill in there. But what do I know? We just do a little radio show here on 7 Night the Ticket. I'm just a guy. I don't know. If you guys want to learn more about the guy tonight, Dana White, apparently he's going to be on some feature on Fox News, Objectify, where he's getting interviewed by the TMZ guy. We can learn about Dana White's feelings on how things roll. So... I just found it interesting. I like the idea of having Usman on top as a replacement fight for Till versus Woodley, um, and I think it is a good move. Uh, I've heard that they're doing this too with like Kevin Lee. Like Kevin Lee is supposed to be the backup plan for Khabib versus Connor, and if anybody falls out there, most likely Khabib, then it would be I, I assume Connor versus Kevin Lee for an interim title, which is kind of weird because you would have Connor McGregor fighting for an interim title, even though. He never legitimately lost the belt. He lost the belt based on inactivity. Be kind of weird, but uh, but it would be interesting. I finally say I finally will leave you with this, you guys. Um, Donald Zeroni says he nearly died in a cave dive. Yep, he said uh, he put a, he posted these photos of himself in a cave dive, and he said today I can honestly say I'm happy to be alive. We had a catastrophic worst scenario on our dive, total silt out. Lost the cave line. Lost my buddy. Couldn't see my own hands. It was the scariest moment to this day in my life. I remember kissing Danger and Lily and saying goodbye. I'll see y'all soon. Don't worry, Daddy's coming home. And told the Grim Reaper, not today, Mother Bleeper. I'm figuring this bleep out and coming home. And so, Darren, we're glad that the Cowboy Cerrone is uh, 
is is home with his uh, with his wife and kid, but also uh, you're crazy, you're crazy, and you know that this is like I, I don't know what the end is going to be for Donald Cerrone, but this guy he just seems to be flirting with it going down in a blaze of glory, no matter what. It's crazy to me. Crazy. He, he's an insane person, George. Tell him, George Foreman. Um, it's wild. He's a, he's an insane person, but that's why I guess he gets into a cage for a living and fights. And why he takes fights on two weeks' notice and three weeks' notice. And like it's nothing. But cave diving. Not into it. No. If I'm going to dive, I'll dive in an ocean. There's going to be a place I'm going to be able to get up. I'm not going into a cave. What the hell is going to be in a cave? Tre- what are you, looking for treasure? All the treasure has been found. Trust me. Bats. Bats. Serpent. Sea serpents. Not cave diving. But the dumbest, dangerous thing you could do. It's not even a jet ski. You could go fast, and I guess there's a thrill there. Skydiving, feel like you're flying. But you can get the sensation of scuba diving, and it's like the people who go ice diving. Dumb. You can go diving under some ice? What are you, an idiot? Ice? And what the hell do you... Do you see the bum-ass animals they have in the Arctic Ocean? They suck, man. Nothing bright and colored. Usually some gray-ass shark. All depressing. Oh yeah, super depressing. And not only that, it's like it's like the stupid shark is wearing a denture. <sighs> I'm a shark. You look like a grandpa shark. What is that Arctic shark? It's the worst shark I've ever seen. Ice diving, idiots. Not about it, man. Anyway, glad Don Cerrone's okay. We'll talk to you guys next week. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one. They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.